Welcome to the Speak In Flow podcast. Let's unleash your leadership voice. Listen in to the untold stories of high-performing leaders where they will reveal their golden takeaways to help you become fearless communicators and fast-track your career. Join us for the journey. Thanks for joining the conversation today. Are you curious on how you measure up with your ability to speak and flow? Come grab my free self-assessment at speakinflow.com forward slash assessment. This assessment only takes a couple minutes to fill out. You will get your results within five minutes. See how you measure up with your ability to speak and flow and an unshakable confidence. Take the assessment, click on the link in the comments, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, welcome to the Speak and Flow podcast. Today I have Sarah Arsenault, who is a human resources professional. She's been in the industry for quite some time, over a decade. She's seen it all in human resources, human relations, consulting in different industries. She's currently working at Lamar Advertising Company. And I brought her on because she's a dear friend uh, like a client, a past client. And so she, we work together, but she has an amazing experience that I want uh, the audience to hear. She has worked through a lot um, of difficult challenges um, and some of you might relate to it. And so that's why I have Sarah here. So Sarah, welcome. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. And so let's dive right in. Sarah, like as I mentioned, I I think you are a powerhouse. You are confident, you're courageous, and and it didn't it came at a price. It came with a lot of um work overcoming difficult challenges. And so what is something that you have had to uh, go through and overcome in your life that you can share with the audience? For sure. So back in 2016, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, and multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease that aff- affects your nerves. Um, it can give, it's a, they call it the snowflake disease because it's different for everyone. Um, but my issues are mostly related to, um, muscle tightness and spasms, pain, um, some blindness that comes in and out with what's called optic neuritis, some migraines, different things like that, fatigue, brain fog, all kinds of fun stuff that is not easy to work through. Um, Mm -hmm. so back in 2016, I was actually, um, in grad school online and working full-time, which is already a lot without having, um, a, a degenerative disease on top of it. And so, I ended up taking a semester break from school while working um, working through what would be best for me at work. Um, I learned the hard way that I need to listen to my body, which I now listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the day, I would have a relapse, an MS relapse, and I'd work through it and not and take off a couple of hours here, a couple hours there. But I was not allowing my body the time and the rest I needed. Um, 
And something with MS, like many other conditions, is that stress worsens it. And it's nothing against my employer. It's my own self. I've had anxiety my whole life. Um, and stress is definitely something that is there. And so I was in employee relations um, back when I was diagnosed. And that's where I started my career in human resources. And um, that's a high stress environment. That is somebody potential sexual harassment or um, discrimination in the workplace. And those pop up anytime mm-hmm. we um, are a nationwide company. I could get a call on a Monday night that I need to be in uh, New York the next day um, Mm -hmm. and have to pack up and go do an investigation. So that stress was a lot on my body. Mm -hmm. Um, So as we grew with Lamar, we um, wanted to start a centralized professional development program um, within the human resources department to focus on um, building up our employees and, and getting them better at their jobs and better leaders. So when that position came available, it was at a time where I was telling myself, I need to take a break. I need my body. My body needs time to rest. My doctor was advising me of that. So I ended up taking a three-month leave of absence from work. And in between that time, I was transitioning from employee relations to professional development. So now I'm in professional development and can look back at those times and say, man, that was difficult. Man, was it a great experience, but I'm in the right place now mm-hmm. because with professional development, I'm it's extremely fulfilling work that um, I get to help train others on how to be a better version of themselves. And mm-hmm. instead of saying you help me fire somebody, they're saying mm-hmm. you trained me on how to be a better leader and you inspired me to to be better for my team. And that has had um, such a positive effect on my well-being, both with my health and my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, it's all taught me to listen to my body. And at the end of the day, the better I am to myself, the better I can be for my employer. Yeah. And what would you advise people who are still in it? Like if they know that they have a difficult time, they're, they're feeling really overwhelmed, tired, or their body's saying, Hey, stop. What would you, how do you know when to, to put the brakes on for you? Yeah. Um, Learning how to say no is a very difficult thing that I still have a problem with. Um, I was definitely the yes woman. I took on every project um, and I overloaded myself. And I think being new to my career, I also was like, I need to do the most. I need to be the most. I need to not stop in order to be able to advance, which is not necessarily the truth. When you overload yourself, you end up burning yourself out physically, emotionally, health-wise, all of those things. And so I think taking a look at, at we like to say in our trainings, it's not work-life balance because it needs to be balanced. It doesn't have to be equal. It needs to be balanced. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're giving yourself enough time to rest, to have that self-care and to not take on so much that you feel like you always have to be on Mm -hmm. is the best way to set up, set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. Because if you overload yourself and you don't recognize the cues that your body's giving you, then you're going to end up doing worse for yourself. And it's going to end up catching up to you eventually like it did with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what are the cues that your body gives you? 
Um, mine are mostly pain related. Um, I, I get muscle spasms and, um, I now work from home after COVID, which has been great. Um, and has been a lot better for me, but, um, I have pain and then I have brain fog that happens. So I have all these thoughts in my head and I try and say them and it will not come out no matter what I say or the wrong words come out. Mm-hmm. And so when I start to get like that, I have to make sure I go take a 10, 15 minute break settle mm-hmm. myself, relax completely. And then I can, I can get back to work or if it's really bad, take off a day or so, yeah. um, to really recover. And I think those mental health days or whatever kind of health day that you need, mm-hmm. taking that time is important. Um, because you're not going to be your best self at work unless you are your full self, which you can't be, if you have all of these signals of overwork going on in your body. Do you actually wait till it's pain and then you stop or have you figured out a way you, you go through it? Usually I wait. Um, usually I wait for the pain. Cause I mean, with MS, depending on, on how you are, my, yeah. my pain level, I don't really go under a pain level of three. Um, out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so when my pain starts getting up and up and we're good, we're hitting a five or six, mm-hmm. usually towards the end of the day. Um, that's when I usually end up trying to, trying to take a break and rest. Um, but I've also found things that have helped me with changing positions. So I have a standing desk. I will sit in a chair. I will use a standing desk or I'll sit on the couch throughout the day to mix it up. So I don't get to that pain, that pain level, um, to where I need to, to stop myself. So I think creating those adaptations for yourself, um, right. recognizing the signs and telling yourself, Oh, my stomach's hungry. I haven't eaten. Cause I've been working through lunch, go yeah. eat. Having those breaks for yourself are so important. I think it's so true. I mean, I want to just share a little bit about my mom. Cause she was constantly on the go, constantly at it. And I, she did not listen to her body at all. So I liked how you said there, I noticed if it's a three, four, five, and it's getting to five, I'm going to stop. But there are so many of us in our society where we just push through it. We don't listen to our intuition and to our bodies. And, and then we think, oh, we'll, we'll rest later, or there's no time to sleep. And then, and then, and then you don't listen to those cues anymore. And then something like this happens where your body needs to go through something to, to alarm you. And then it's almost too late. So, so I think it's a, important for people to be listening and more, you know, settling their minds so that, and allowing yourself to say no to these things. Um, what was that like for you to say, start saying no, how did you fortify that voice? I mean, part it was, of it, it's like, you had to, cause you're in pain, mm-hmm. but then what was it like to finally start to say it and use your voice like that? It was difficult. Um, and to add to that a little bit to my story is that I'm very close friends with quite a few of my coworkers, one of which um, had told me, I love you as a friend more than I love you as a coworker. And you're not going to work here any longer, not not in a threatening way, but you're not going to work here any longer if you run yourself to the ground. Right. Um, she told me that a couple of days later, two other people told me that oh. because I was seriously burnt out and overworking. And I you could physically on my face tell how, how sick I was feeling. Um, so I think listening to yourself, but also listening to other people being like, we don't want you to do more. <laughs> like, don't mm-hmm. say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is something to listen to too. But once I started saying no, I think the biggest thing for me was 
people still like me. I'm still a good coworker. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I said no, and they're not going to fire me. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And I think that the biggest thing that I found is that I now would rather say no or yes, I'll do that in six months than take it on now and then say, oh, I didn't have time. Let me push back that deadline, push back that deadline because Mm -hmm. I used to say yes all the time Mm -hmm. and not get things done super timely. So now I'm able to find a better balance by spacing things out spacing things out for both my stress load for getting deadlines complete and all of those things and really being realistic with what you can do in the time frame. Cause I think that was a big, a big part of my stress level too, was again, trying to do the most and be the best, um, and overloading myself and putting too much on myself. It wasn't that my boss necessarily, she did ask, but I could have said no, cause I had more things on my plate. So I had too many things and that's what was causing my stress level, not necessarily the base level of my job. It was what I was taking on mm-hmm. at my job. I was doing it to myself. Right, right. And then so many of us, so many of us that are just there, we're leaders, we're heart-centered leaders. We want to do the best. We want to put ourselves out there. We want to climb. We want to make more money. All these things drive us. We want to prove, right, of, mm-hmm. hey, we got this and you can and what I love what you what happened with you is you said no and you allow people what when you say no, you're also allowing people to actually to show you you're still love, you're still enough and opportunities can still come. Like if we keep on pushing and proving, we're actually not allowing for these opportunities to show up for you to pace at a good pace that is good for you and still see fruition and results even at your pace that you want to go on. It's um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've come to a place where, um, I love my job so much. I really do. And I, thanks to your, your help as a speaker coach too. Um, I've started facilitating training for Lamar advertising company, which I never in my life would have thought that I would have been a corporate trainer. I just never, even though my undergrad degree was in HR education, I just never thought that would be me, even though i I taught my teddy bears when I was in kindergarten in my room and yeah. did all of that. But, um, well, I remember, and you were like, did you, you're speaking, were you speaking inside, like on the, the RV or you had the visions of yourself talking? Yes. You yes. had visions of yourself speaking. And so yes. you're doing and, that in your mind already. And, mm-hmm. and let's talk about when you first came to me, when you were like, Hey, Melinda, I'm going to do this training for this comp for our company. And it's a big deal because you're training executives, you're training the leaders of the company. Mm-hmm. And a part of you had that imposter syndrome. So you've done it before with your teddy bears and you had visions of it, but you still felt like, who am I to do this? Yep. Yeah. 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 Remember that? And- I, I do. And I I did trainings previously yeah. where I came up with the material and uh-huh. I can talk all day long on something right. I came up with, but right. we did it through um, the trainings through Franklin Covey. So I had right. six hours worth of presentation material that was not my own, which was completely daunting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I met you, all of the thoughts of, I'm not going to remember what they said. They're going to ask me a question. I don't know the answer to the Zoom isn't going to work. The they don't. I haven't been a actual manager of a person for very long, so they're not going to trust that what I have to say is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I had 
all of these self-doubts going through my head. And as I mentioned earlier, I've struggled with anxiety. So it was ruling me. And I knew that I was coming up with this, this facilitation um, in the next few months. And then you just happened to pop into one of my professional organizations, met you and you were talking about unshakable confidence. I was like, well, yeah, I kind of need that. Um, And so working with you and your core method, I was able to neutralize those self-doubting thoughts. And um, I've shared with you and I'll share with everyone. I recently in the past two weeks um, was doing my Franklin Covey presentations and long story short, it wasn't an internet problem. It was a computer problem. Um, My computer didn't have enough memory and Zoom was quitting on me probably 20 different times during a two hour session with all these executives on the phone. Panic attack was ensuing inside, but on the outside, I was still keeping it together. At some point, it would just, I would see my little mouse. It would have like the little thinking thing. I'm like, it's about to crash. Just take a deep breath. It'll come back up. And I kept talking. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point, I barely even felt that it that it went went away. And then when I got the new computer, I told you, I was like, bring it on, computer. What you got? Come on, mess with me. I've got this. So that unshakable confidence, you definitely helped to instill in me. And it's... It's been interesting. I tell Melinda all the time, um, you have some voodoo magic. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So we got the voodoo down here in New Orleans. Um, Don't necessarily believe in it, but I believe in Melinda and and your voodoo magic ways of neutralizing all these thoughts in my head. (laughs) Thank you so much. And those thoughts were real. I mean, they actually had a legitimate reason to be there because like you said, yeah, the technology may not work. Yeah, you didn't have as much experience as all of these executives. Yeah, the material not you. So those are actual, they were, and when anybody goes through something that is um, high stakes, it's important, these thoughts will come up. And, and I think they're valid. And I think what you and I did, the work that we did, we did it, we did give it respect. And we, we, we work through each of them, so that you can see that there their thoughts, and they needed to be heard, they needed to be respected, and then they actually start to dissolve and neutralize out of our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then so when you when you got presented with even what would have happened if we didn't work together and you had that computer problem, what do you think would have like really, I mean, play it out like just for fun. <laughs> what do you think would have done? Uh, I would have cried. Um, <laughs> probably cried. There probably would have been tears. I um, wanted to throw my computer across the room and I might have <laughs> if, uh-huh. if I didn't moment. have, if I didn't have that confidence, I think that um, I really don't know because I just kept going to, I have my bullet points. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I kept Melinda, Melinda in her immersion session would say, I don't know what I'm going to say, but it's going to be great. And the amount of times I was like, I don't know what the heck is going to happen with this computer, but I'm going to get through it. And this training is going to be great. I just kept telling myself that and I could power through it. And so I think if I didn't have that in the back of my head, I might've been like, We need to stop this training until I figure out what's going on. I was able to adjust on the fly when I don't think I would have been able to do it as gracefully as I did, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Totally. Because your, your, your mind is going haywire, the nervous system is going haywire. And then so we're not able to think very clearly. Mm-hmm. And so and- you're able to think clearly, you're able to, to move through it and adjust and, and still, and then you, there was a, a, some feedback. 
I was about to say that. And then after the, the last one, I ended up um, I was at with our help desk was there and they said, if it doesn't work, I'm going to go get you the best computer I got. So literally we took a 20 minute break from the, the training I was supposed to talk about, talk through, had to adjust on the fly what I was going to remove from it, got back into it and went into it. So this last group had half of me with technical issues and half of me with the computer working properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the regional manager, once everything was done, who's the the head of the group that I was there, it was about 30 people, said, before everybody gets off the phone, I'd really like to say how much I appreciate Sarah's efforts here. Um, because I was not just a Franklin Covey facilitator, which there's nothing against Franklin Covey facilitators or any other company. But what he said was um, the training material was so much more impactful because it was coming from somebody who's been with our organization for a long time, who knows them as managers, who -hmm. knows our business and could put um, real life examples from our business and from what I've dealt with in our human resources department into action and speaking with them and being able to really say, um, like we're we're talking about building trust with our teams and we have um, the people who install the billboards and the people who sell the billboards. And one of the biggest things that we hear in HR is that there's kind of a divide between the front of the house and the back of the house and building that trust is one of the most important things. And, and they told me that they could really hear and that point was driven home for me because I had all those examples that I could that I could employ in our discussion, as opposed to someone from Franklin Covey who might be able to start that discussion but not be able to go through it all. And so, I I, I really did almost cry when he told me that I'm like, keep it together. You're on video with all these executives, but it was so fulfilling to hear from somebody I respected so much that mm. my efforts were appreciated and that they understood because he was like, this was a lot of material for you to learn and to teach us. And so we, yeah. we just appreciate your efforts. So it was extremely rewarding. Oh, that's beautiful. And yeah. what a magic, what a, what a great thing to instill. Like not only are you just teaching them, but you're really instilling the trust in these employees and the, in the staff and the executive. And that really makes a difference for them. And, and then Absolutely. for having to have them to help them to have it hit home for them and, and then to get the feedback from, um, the executive that you really respect and you did it. So that's all from, think about it. It's all from you going through the challenge with MS Mm -hmm. saying no, saying yes to your health. And then this opportunity for this new position or this new role that is so much better for you, more fulfilling. And absolutely. It's, it's been a whirlwind. And when yeah. I graduated school, I, I wanted to be the VP of HR at a company or open mm-hmm. my own consulting firm. And um, I think that my biggest message to people out there is no matter what you come across, mm-hmm. know that you can adjust in a way that you will be happy. Mm-hmm. I never would have thought that I would be happy being a professional development manager for the next 50 years of my life. And I really could be because it's such fulfilling work. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily need to be the VP of HR over 30 people in order to be successful. I can be successful in my own right by helping leaders be the best leaders that they can be. And just adjusting that mindset of, I don't necessarily have to be the top dog. I can be, um, I can be, what's the word I'm looking for? And I can be inspiring and impactful in my work without being 
the the top of the the top of the tier of yeah. the department. Yeah. I mean, what is success, right? Is it really a title? Right. I mean, is it no. really, right? No. No, it's not. I don't, it took I, me a minute to, to accept that. <laughs> my mom, my mom, you are going to be interviewing as well. Um, and yeah. she is the top dog and she yeah. has been my inspiration my whole life um, is to be just like her and get a master's degree, which I did and, yeah. and, and try and get into to leadership. And um, I learned a lot from her and I'm super excited to watch her podcast <laughs> recording yeah, as well. I know. Um, I'm excited yeah. to have her. She'll be here next couple of weeks. And so what is, what about um, the MS in your life right now? How, like, how has that also played out in your life and in your, how you see yourself or do you not like, yeah. What is that like? Um, It's one of those things where whenever I was diagnosed, I used to be like, I have good days and bad days, but it's mostly yeah. good. And yeah. that was more of a placation for other people than yeah. it was for me, because yeah. in reality, I have my new normal consists of basically a, a low level of pain. So yeah. most people would call that a bad day. Um, right, right. I've come to the point where it's like, I am not in a great place. If I'm in really bad pain, I have a relapse, what have you for a couple of weeks. But if I'm just at my base level of my new normal, where my foot's dragging, my wrist is dislocating, my migraines happening, all that kind of stuff can happen. But as long as I have the support of my friends, my family, my mm-hmm. job, who's very mm-hmm. supportive and has lovely accommodations for me then I can get through anything. And as long as I have that support and as long as I listen to my body, um, then I can succeed. And most days I'm doing pretty good. I've gotten on a good medicine regimen and um, advocated for my health. I do physical therapy. I do all those kinds of things um, to keep my stamina up. And I don't plan on slowing down anytime soon. So no way. yeah, I think I, I think I've 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 gotten into the good groove of things where we've got the right medicine, the right support. Um, right. I also married a physical therapist, so I won the lottery <laughs> on that one. Um, so it's it's good. Um, it's good. Happy, happily married with two little pups, trying to to grow a family and and do it all um, while taking care of myself at the same time. Yeah, that is the epitome. I think most women want to be where we want to be. Right. Handling I don't do it body. gracefully all the time, but I try. Yeah, but it, hey, hey, the, we're, we're here. It's always, we're always evolving, always evolving. And I think you are an amazing powerhouse. I always saw you, I see you as a powerhouse. Cause you, you have a confidence about yourself. You walk in and you have this presence and then you make people laugh. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you, you know, I would have never known about all these things about you. You deal with so much and yet it's still, you continue to go through, you continue to rise and, in and especially in the role that you're in empowering people, it's just so suitable for you. And, um, Lamar advertising company is really, really lucky to have you. They know that. And so, uh, it's been really fun today. And thank you so much for sharing your story and your insight. What would you, what is a one piece of advice more if you would like to share with people about using their voice? About using your voice. About unleashing your leadership voice. What is the key thing that they can do? So they might be 
really not using it and understanding the power behind it, they might be afraid. And so what is the one key advice that you can give? I think my biggest piece of advice and the hardest thing you taught me to do (laughs) is breaking free from the script, breaking Uh free from what you think other people want you to say and saying what you actually think needs to be said. Mm. Um, I, I think that I used to be like, okay, this is what I should say in HR world. And this is what the book says. And this is what my experience shows. And then try and think through all of that, write the perfect script. And then I go to train somebody and I don't say exactly that. And I'm like, I didn't get my point across. And the biggest thing that I learned is, especially with this Franklin Covey stuff, it's six hours of material, which that's a lot of stuff that I can miss. Mm-hmm. But I realize that as long as I'm inspiring them to go back and try and build trust within their teams, then I did my job and being able to get out of my head and say, if I didn't say every single thing that I planned, as long as the big message gets across, then you're, then you're in the right place and you're in that sweet spot. Totally. Yeah. Like having that trust, that was enough. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that. That's so important. And we are enough. And what I said is enough. I think many of us will try to overteach, try to give too much information and we got to cram it all in. And then I love that you got to that point of that was enough. I I did what I did. The big thing that I need to do is done and we're good. Yep. Before you having 20 minutes taken out of my presentation would have wrecked me because I'd be like, how do I take 20 minutes out? And I immediately was like, two videos removed, that activity gone. All right, let's go. And I was ready to roll. And it was amazing. I was like, I, I still don't know how you did it, Melinda, but you are magic. <laughs> you did it. You did it. We did it. I'm so appreciative of you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your expertise, your experiences and and your time today with us. Really appreciate you. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you.